Wow, I feel very official. Um, hello and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland's Happy Dog Takes On series. Thank you all so much for joining us. I am Erica Anthony, Executive Director of Cleveland Votes and the moderator for today's conversation. We are taking on participatory budgeting. Tonight, we will be discussing what happens when residents are empowered to decide together how to spend public money in their own communities. Because of this foundational premise of participatory budgeting, and just to know you'll hear folks say PD for short, it aims to deepen democracy, build stronger communities, and make public budgets more equitable and effective. The first participatory budgeting effort began in 1989, some of us you know, weren't alive because we're so young, in Porto Alegre, Brazil. Today, there are over 3,000 participatory budgeting processes around the world, most at the municipal level, including here in Cleveland. In the, weeks of major, in the wake of major federal legislation, public investments are finding their way to state and local municipalities. For example, in September, nearly 12 million in American Rescue Act Plan Act funds were approved by Cuyahoga County Council. Here in Cleveland, participatory budgeting Cleveland Coalition is a grassroots effort and coalition which hopes to bring budgeting moments like this to have a more democratic and transparent process. Joining us this evening for our conversation, we'll start at my far right, Councilwoman Stephanie House. She represents Ward 7 on Cleveland City Council. <laughs> Next in the middle, or excuse me, to uh, my immediate right, we have Michelle Jackson. She is a freelance writer and community organizer with Participatory Budgeting Cleveland. Last, but certainly not least, flanked in the middle by two dynamic black women, we have Penny Medrano, the former director of Participatory Budgeting for District 26 in New York City. If you have any questions for our panelists, you can do so in the second half of our program, or you can text them to 330-541-5794. Again, that's 330-541-5794. You can also tweet them at City Club, or excuse me, at The City Club, and we'll do our best to work them into the program. So, Councilwoman House, Michelle, Penny, welcome to Happy Dog. Before I pose this first question, I do just want to provide some brief framing um, just for tonight's conversation. Um, as I said, I'm the executive director and I'm also the co-founder of Cleveland Votes. Uh, we're a proud endorser and member of the PD Coalition here in Cleveland. Within our organization and with our fellow democracy builders, we often discuss what it does it mean to think about democracy beyond elections. While we do have an incredibly important election coming up in just a few days, hopefully folks are ready to vote. <laughs> if they haven't already, here's the plug for voting. You can early vote right now, or you can head down to uh, the Board of Elections and you can go to your polling location on November 8th. Okay, that's it for elections. We also know that the days, weeks, and months before and after election are equally important. Folks in our community do not want to feel as if they are being treated as a transaction, and as such, we must make time to build relationships that lead to transformational change, and PV is just one way to do that. So, with that brief opening, I want to pose the first question to all panelists. You all ready? All right. 
Um, before answering the question, if you can just state your name and affiliation, just so um, everyone in the room, just in case they're just walking in and those that are tuning in today virtually know who is speaking. So the first question is, what motivates you to be active in your community? And we can start to my immediate right with Michelle. Thank you, Erica. Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle B. Jackson, and I'm a campaign organizer with PB Clee, participatory budget in Cleveland. My here, so it's all good. Um, yeah, so civically engaged. I was thinking about this a lot, Erica. I think for me, it really started with knocking on doors in 08 and 12 for Obama. I was in my church where I lived, but I had been a chef. So I was never out when normal people were out. And so that was a real experience for me to go and actually talk to people. 08, I saw things. 12, I saw things. Nothing had changed. It took me a minute to figure out that this is municipal government. This is not the president, this is not the senator. It's it's really, we have to pay attention to what's happening on our own streets. And so from there, and the importance of voting, that's how I met Erica was through that, that process. Um, it, the, the whole thing of voting and being a civic citizen, like I believe we all have, democracy is not free, I know that's cliche, but for me, that's the price I pay for democracy. And I really wanna see my neighbors and my neighborhood and the whole city be better. We can all be better and elevate each other through civic engagement. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'll repeat the question. Any, what motivates you to be active in your community? Everybody. Hey, Cleveland. Let's go. Super excited to be here. Uh, my name is Kenny Madrano. I'm from New York. I have experience with PB not only as the person that was the director of PB in New York City Council District. Uh, in the council district, uh, also in Grand Rapids, that was my most recent project, but also as a volunteer. Like when it was introduced in my district, uh, the district I was born and raised in, that's how I got involved. And basically, I, I usually share the story where uh, it was introduced in, in my district, uh, the district I was born and raised in. I went in there, I, they said it was a million dollars, you decide what to do with that money. I didn't believe them, and I was like, all right, let me see what this is about. And I entered the room, and, and it was, there weren't people that looked like me. There weren't people that had my lived experience. Um, and that's when I decided to, to be involved. And from there, I became a facilitator, got involved for nine months, and then got really involved in the process to see, all right, what, what happens behind the scenes and whatnot. And then a year plus later, I got hired by the city council. Um, and then that just started my trajectory of seeing really behind the scenes how things work in city government. Um, so at first I was a constituent liaison, um, and then eventually the person that ran PD uh, left, so I took on that role, and then I took on the role of director of, of budgeting. All that to say, like, it was, that was my introduction. PD was my introduction to any type of civic engagement, because to be honest, I didn't care about any electoral politics or any civic engagement, because that's not what my lived experience was. It's more, you know, so, so I credit PB with opening the door for me. So that's why I'm really passionate about it. Thanks, Annie. Councilwoman, what motivates you to be active in the community? Just generally? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so I always tell people that, I mean, my activism in community really starts from home. You know, I grew up in a very civic-minded home. My mother was the president of the Street Block Club. She was a precinct committee person. So every year, me and my cousins were 
passing out flyers for some candidate, you know? So that literally started off with me. I got early memories from like when I was like six years old, right? And it is just, you know, carried me throughout my life um, to where I am, you know, today. So, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the things experience really and exposure really makes a difference in a young person's life to, you know, when you grow up, like I said, we are our most creative when we are the young, right? And so having that experience, I'm like, oh my God, politics is awesome. You can help people. And then it's not until you get an adult, you'll be like, oh my goodness, everybody else gonna do this? You know? So that's that's really how I've come into this space. Thank you so much, compliment. I hope folks can tell, you know, I think each of you bring a very different perspective how you you know became active in your community and i think it's important to illuminate that you know we get a lot of calls for people like i don't know what to do like i don't know how to get involved and the first thing we say to them is what are you passionate about right you know there's there's really no one way to be civically engaged and it's really important to follow your own passion we all have gifts to bring to the table and it's important that we, we really carry that narrative and that story and hearing, you know, whether it's from your family or an experience like TV or a specific election that, you know, motivates you, um, it is your personal journey. You should honor that. Um, so we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. Um, Kenny, I'm going to turn to you. Um, so for folks here this evening that may not be as familiar with the story budgeting, again, TV for short, um, or that are tuning in this evening, can you just tell us a little bit about what it is, um, and then I'll just follow up by asking, um, because you have worked in different jurisdictions, as you just noted, you know, have you seen any themes, you know, whether in New York or Grand Rapids, and you're also doing some work in California, um, that would be helpful for people to sort of crystallize what this process is? So with PB, I basically say this is usually my pitches. Uh, PB is a way for people to decide what to do with, with public money, like very simply. So, for example, in my district, it was a million dollars, and people got to decide what to do with that money. And it's usually a three-step process. And that step one is people pitch their ideas on what to do with that money. Step two is uh, people within the community help refine those projects, assisted by the city that give the cost estimates and whatnot. And those refined projects, the top ones, go to the third phase, which is uh, on a ballot. And then people vote on those projects, right? And I just want to say this, before all of that, like when it first starts in the city, there's the steering committee that is developed, right? And those are community members that help create what the process is going to look like. And I think really, like here in Cleveland, you have a special situation where it's, you know, it's, it's being introduced and also you've seen a city like Grand Rapids, uh, you know, they went through the process of, of PD with ARPA funds. So you have that as a direct example of, in the Midwest, what that looked like. And to see what went right, what went wrong, and then to you know provide a, a, a pathway for it to be successful in Cleveland. Um, and what was the, the follow-up question? Yeah, just from your experience, uh, whether in New York, Grand Rapids, or other cities, you know, are there any themes? You know, what what has been folks' response? You know, we hear your story, right? It's like someone coming out skeptical and not really sure. You know, what have you observed um, as these I think for me it's personal because what I love about the process is step two where you find community members that help refine ideas. Agent, like that's the goal, to go to these people that haven't been involved, right? And for me that's special whether it's in New York City in public housing communities or in Grand Rapids, finding those people and bringing them along not only to be like, hey, but also to identify their own brilliance, right? Because aside from, yes, this is money that you get to decide on, 
so so like tuning into the, the brilliance of people in these communities that have been either disregarded or disenfranchised or just suffering from inequities. And I think that's the part where I see there's a common theme. And again, I think that's just personal. That I just love to, to do that. And you know, I joke and I'm like I'm like a puffy and I'm looking for biggies in cities. So. <laughs> trying to get people to walk across that Brooklyn Bridge and get that cheesecake? Yeah. Nah, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few people got that joke. Right. <laughs> Um, I really love what you just said about the brilliance of people. We have some pretty dope people here in Cleveland, right? Yeah. Really brilliant, intelligent people. And that's the thing, right? There's there's no labels, right? It's not about what your title is. It's not about where you live necessarily. It's just about what you what you value, what's important to you, um, and giving you space to really um, make some decisions about your community. Thank you so much, Kenny. So we want to kind of pivot a little bit, heard a little bit about in New York and Grand Rapids, um, and we have some great folks here that will talk about our work at the local level. Um, so I want to welcome Michelle again to the panel this evening. Michelle, can you share with our guests what and how PD started, and if you want to highlight some of the coalition's efforts over the last 18 months? Sure, thank you. And Kimmy, I love what you said. I think that one of the keys is this is people power. It's real money, real, real people, real power over that money. Um, in Cleveland, now we do have quite a few of these folks in the room today who are amazingly brilliant and represent Cleveland and what we have to offer, as, as particularly the young people. So when a group of folks who are activists in their own right, in their own space, whether it was homelessness or with co-ops or whatever, when they saw this ARPA money come into Cleveland, like over half a billion dollars um, to be spent on COVID relief type efforts, they got together and said, you know what, how would the people like to have this spent? So over the course of the first, the first year, they started organizing house parties. So they probably did about 20 house parties, reached about 200 people, and really the, the house party was to say, how would you spend a million dollars? How would you spend 500 million? The original number that the coalition, and, and I have to say that they kept expanding, very diverse group, from New Era Cleveland to Black Lives Matter to Gun Foundation. Uh, we have like over 60 endorsers across the spectrum of Cleveland, of organizations. And about 600 some people on our con on our contact list. So, so hi. <laughs> um, so it started with the house parties, just asking people, how would you spend this money? Got people excited, talking about it, thinking about it. What would make a change in our community? The original ask, as I started to say, was 30 some million dollars. That was based on the poverty rate in Cleveland time. Very symbolic, but also a small drop in the bucket when you have. It has since evolved to, uh, and Mayor Bibb, by the way, has supported this, and a couple of our council, new council people supported it during their campaigns. So we now are down at a, six, at a $5 million proposal for a civic participation fund. That will pilot participatory budgeting in Cleveland. It'll be a pilot project. It's not a one-year thing. So the first year would be to set up the process, as Kenny talked about. How do we engage people? And we're very, very intentional about reaching out to those marginalized groups. Um, so we're really, you know, I had a meeting last week with some senior outreach. If those are hard people to find, people kind of pave away. We had a wonderful member, Ashley B, who is a youth advocate. She did a rec center party and brought in mostly middle schoolers. And the ideas that they had will just blow your mind. These young people are thinking about the entire city. They're thinking about other people. They're not saying, you know, I need to have this. They're saying, we need to have mental health services. We need to have services for homeless people. We need to have basketball courts that we don't get in trouble. 
um, so he has something to do. So that's the kind of information that we're getting from these small gatherings of anywhere from 5 to 15, 20 people. Um, and it's really quite remarkable. One of, I was saying earlier today that as far as things go, Erica, every group that I've talked to, and I've been talking to a lot of people, I started in August, not a, not a single conversation goes by where we're not talking about mental health. COVID was this, you know, we're talking about communities that were already traumatized, generational trauma. Then you add COVID on top of that. And everybody talked about mental health. The youth, the older people, everybody in between. Um, the other thing is people's shelter. COVID just saw how fragile that whole situation can be. So, um, so we're continuing to build our coalition. And we have... Um, we call a coordinating committee, which is just all kinds of books. We have artists, and you know, it's just really, it's really quite wonderful. And I'd love to say to anybody here that, um, you know, we, we want to get more input, and there'll be ways for you to do that, but uh, that's kind of where we are. We're really working towards continuing to mobilize, build support. Um, our next step is to hopefully get legislation to set up this participatory budgeting fund, civic participation fund, and the, the access to use ARPA dollars, which my good friend Daniel, <laughs> he always breaks stuff down for me, the five R's. It can be used for the five R's. So um, it can be used for to respond to COVID, public health crisis. It can, it can be used for recovery of lost um, revenues in a city, the municipality. It can be used for repaying the frontline workers. I mean, that's what this is about, these so-called essential workers. Come on. Um, and then rebuilding and restoring communities. Our communities started off with less than zero. So Cleveland was one of the cities that got the most money, um, which it, for what for why is bad, but it's good that we got it. So we just want to be able to put this out to the people that you see from the mouths of babes, the young people that Ashley B works with. There's plenty of ideas. People know what we need in the city, and we just want to get this done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well. Yeah. I do want to highlight for folks, you know, one of the really dope things about the PD process is that uh, we encourage folks 14 and up to engage, right? Um, democracy building and civic engagement is a practice, right? And starting as young as possible with young folks and really getting them engaged. Um, they may not be able to cast a vote, you know, during election time, but they can be very much active in the PD process. All right, Councilwoman House. Um, so I don't, I don't know who wouldn't know this, but just in case folks don't know, Prior to our councilwoman uh, serving here in the city of Cleveland, she was a state rep of uh, the state of Ohio. And during your tenure, you introduced legislation to support budgeting. Can you share with us this evening what led you to that decision and why do you believe PV, participatory budgeting, can be an effective civic engagement tool here in the city of Cleveland? Yeah, so um, I, I don't. You know, I don't even know how I ended up on the PB list, but uh, it was like, you know, as an elected official, you get a lot of emails. And so um, I guess it was at one point that um, uh, PB, uh, based out of New York, um, I was on their list. And so I looked at them and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I was like, mm, okay. You know, and I was just reading, see, one of the things, like just being an elected official, you realize just how much people don't understand our form of democracy, how many people are not engaged in um, the electoral process or civic process and and reading it and, and seeing how it, is evolved, it, it has evolved, it really led me to say, I think this could be good for our state, right? So um, back in May of 2018, that's when I introduced it. 
and uh, of course it went nowhere and um i got like a random hearing during lame duck session in like 2019 when there was like 50,000 million other committees going on but i still gave my you know my testimony um to really advocate and at that time i think i advocated for like a million dollars for each house district and there are 99 house districts in the state of Ohio and just to allow, you know, community members to kind of figure out what the process would be. Because um, I'm just one of those people, like, I feel like the founding, uh, the way our system was organized, it was not organized for everyday people. And we can have a debate on that later. And so I think the more that we can introduce new ideas, new concepts, um, the better our democracy will be, right? We should be thinking about those that will be in 2300, right, or 2400. Um, and, um, you know, this thing of democracy, we're working, like we're, we're trying to perfect it. So why not just try something? And I mean, and again, what's the worst that can happen? Are we going to mess up some money? Well, we just did that a lot. So, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's not to me, it's like at least we're trying to introduce something to see if we can connect with people in a different way. And then in a place like, you know, Cleveland, you know, when I was a state rep, I represent, unfortunately, people don't realize um, it was the poorest district in the state, you know, and I don't think people really grasp um, the level of disengagement that we have, um, the real struggle of Clevelanders. People want to talk about other paid places in the state, but it is here. We are it. And if we aren't able to engage our people um, to really help change your trajectory that we're always going to be on a struggle bus and it don't have to be this way and i think this can be a tool amongst other things to just really partner with people the way we had it before so that's what we have to support it. Yeah, it's really important to elevate. I mean, this thing called democracy is just that. It's an experiment, a multi-century experiment. <laughs> but here we are in 2022, still trying to figure it out. Um, and it's really important that we create the creative space, the imaginative space um, to prototype and to try some things um, in the hopes that it, it will be impactful. Um, so we have just a few moments before we're going to open up for audience questions. So I have a couple more I can pose before we get there. Um, Kenny, I want to uh, put it back to you for a minute. Um, you talked about sort of your position as you know maybe not being teen civic engagement initially until you were introduced to PD. What was the reception from the council persons in New York? Um, you know, we've heard mixed reviews, not just here in Cleveland, but in other jurisdictions that some elected officials feel that they do in fact represent the people. This is their job. Why do we need a process like PD? Um, and I'm just curious whether in New York or in Grand Rapids, how, how was the reception from, from their elected officials? Um, I think, well, in Grand Rapids, you have, um, it, it's different because you have three wards and two commissioners in each ward. In New York City, you have 51 council districts, right? So it, it's it's different, but those things happen where you have, I think it's, it's a spectrum, right? There's some elected officials that will say like, yes, I am elected and I get to choose uh, uh, where the funding goes. And I think it, for me personally, it, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing, where it's just, you can have people still be involved while that elected official can still manage the money. Like it's not, you know, doesn't, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I find issue with that when it's, it's like, it, it's not all or nothing. Like it's, it's a way for people to participate. And then you have folks that are, are, are very supportive of it, right? And are willing to, you know, have community have a say. I, I, I think for me, it's not a radical idea. 
for, for people in the community to decide what to do with public funding. That's public money. Yeah. Public yeah. money. Yeah. It's not right, right? It's, it's a real thing where it's just like, yeah. You, and that's another thing about PB that I love is that it's it's not necessarily based on a political party, right? Like that for me would have been a deal breaker with PB when I first entered it because I don't, you know, I have issues with, with the parties that we have, right? Um, but for me, it was basic. You have money, you get to decide what to do with that, right? And that for a lot of people that may not be engaged in the political nonsense, I'm gonna say, um, you know, that, that could be opening. That's just like, you're deciding what to do with money, right? So just going back to, to um, I think it, it varies with elected officials, right? But um, but again, I think, you know, it, it's not it's not taking away, you know, power from an elected official by allowing people, sit, uh, yeah, people in their community, in their district, in their ward to decide what to do with public funding. And, you know, and it's also baby steps, too. Yeah. So. For the people, by the people, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kenny. So before we uh, pivot uh, to the audience questions, I want to make sure, Michelle, you have an opportunity to let our, our in-person and our virtual audience know how can folks get involved? You know, what, what is needed today? Is there an email? Is there a phone number? You know, do we send a message by Raven? Hashtag, yeah, drones. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's the best way that folks can get involved and, and how can they activate um, in these coming months? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, our, our website is pbqueen.com, pbqueen.com. And the first thing you'll get to on the website will be an endorsement form. Oh, and we have Jonathan there and Daniel. They have some postcards. They have a QR code um, that you can just scan to get to the website. Um, we really are looking for folks who want to engage with us with the next steps. We, we're looking for people that work with us now on our coordinating committee. We meet like once every two weeks. It's not a really heavy lift right now. But once we get to the next step, which I'm putting out there in the universe, when we get this civic participation fund set up with $5 million, yes. we're going to need people, as, as um, Kenny talked about, on our steering committee. And that needs to be a diverse group who are representing the different constituencies, which have been historically marginalized people. And historically today, yesterday, the day before. Um, so we would really love to have any kind of input because I, I always say, and I'm one of the newest people on the team, you know, I, the more that we can get some new insights, um, we've had some new members who come in with just some spectacular insights. Uh, so we'd love for you to get involved. At least endorse us, you know, where we're keeping, we're taking names <laughs> and we're going to share them at some point. Um, like I said, we've already got about 600 people that we're with. Uh, we've got a pretty nice size uh, coordinating committee right now. Um, and we have, like I said, 60 plus organizations in the community that are supporting us and their endorsers on our website. So you can get a lot more information, but we'd love for you to sign up. We're using this information. We really want to show council. We want to make it easier for city council members to support this. Um, and, and and that's fair. You know, it, we have to show that we have been to every corner of this city and people are saying that they want this. So all y'all, before you leave tonight, we expect you to have your phones up with that QR code. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, so uh, speaking of council, we do have an amazing representative this evening, and, and clearly Councilman House, you don't represent your, your entire council, but um, I think it would be helpful for our guests this evening to know, you know, what are what are ways that we can actively engage with you and, and your colleagues at City Council um, to bring this to fruition? You know, what are what are the ways that we should be talking about 
this as a tool in our toolbox of um, opportunities to engage our community? And what do you think, you know, would either resonate with you personally um, and or with your fellow colleagues? Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, a, you have to have a pick up the phone, call, send an email, go to a community meeting, if, you know, because sometimes we miss calls, we miss emails, right? But many of us um, are, all of us are out in the community, right? So really trying to uh, take a time to engage in a conversation uh, with each council member. And I think that really needs to be the cons direct constituents. So I mean, as um, the, the, the PDC is indicating, well, we've been all over the city and this is what people want, then those individuals in the respective wards should engage with their council person to really just get an understanding of where they are. Um, and, and from there, then you can kind of build a strategy. So for people that say, yeah, we're on it, that's cool, cool. People that might be like, eh, I'm not sure. Really listening to see, you know, what the concern and hesitation may be. And then really trying to figure out, is there a way that we can come to a level of compromise? Because again, in policy making, there is always compromise, right? So you gotta get that in your mind, you gotta get that in your head. No one ever gets, most of us, no, no one gets everything that they want. That's just the reality of it, right? So, you know, um, I think having those conversations and, and really just trying to see where can we get to a compromise to, to test it, to demonstrate it, and really having a process to evaluate it, right? Um, it will be really, really important um, in order to, to build people's confidence and to get, um, you know, at least 10 council members to say yes, you know, ideally 12, but 10 at minimum uh, to say yes to, to make it um, a reality. Because again, it's in, like anything else, it's all about the votes. So you have to get 10 votes. Um, and I would encourage the group to engage residents or council members in order to hopefully get to a yes. Thank you so much, Councilwoman. And in case you do not know your board, you can head to clevelandcitycouncil.org and look up your ward and find out, in case you don't already know, that's for both here in the room and virtually who your council person is. Um, and the great thing about being a part of a coalition, uh, you don't have to be nervous, you don't have to be scared. There are amazing people that you know can provide you tips and um, I know Jennifer is somewhere here in the building. I, I was on a Zoom call. Hey, Jen. I was on a Zoom call, um, I think last year sometime with the PV folks like real in real time, they had on the screen a very short script and they had us call our council persons, right? So this doesn't have to be something that's intimidating or overwhelming. And you know, once you do it once, I'm gonna tell y'all, y'all gonna love it. So <laughs> we're not gonna inundate you, councilwomen. We're not gonna inundate you, but it's good to get comfortable to engage with your elected officials, not just city, but at the county and the state level as well. Um, so we have just a few moments before we're gonna open up. So I'm gonna pose this next question um, for anyone on the panel to respond to. So. We have heard um, that there are some folks in the community that are skeptical about whether or not this process will engage and reach members of our community that are not typically engaged. Um, in your each estimation, you know, how, how can you, not ensure, that's probably not a fair word, but how can you um, work towards, uh, you know, making sure that this is an equitable process, um, not having sort of the usual suspects being present and sort of dominating either the conversation or you know what we are prioritizing as the projects that should be um, voted on. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, with your help, that's how we do it. So we're people are telling us this is a snowflake thing from Obama. Everybody can reach three other people. 
everyone I talk to has given me another person, has given me another person, given me another person. And I think, Erica, for me, the word would be how can we demonstrate that intention? Because we can't ensure, especially not the first year, this is new, and Cleveland doesn't particularly like new, okay? So we have to live with that too. Um, but we have the first year to pilot a process, the second year to actually implement something. I think that people will build, will build trust when they actually see something concrete come out of this. One of the things that happens with tax dollars is nobody knows what happens to them. Where does the casino money go? You know, it's hard to get an answer out of that with all of these little pots. Where does the HUD money go? It goes to some CDCs. With this process, people literally will see because they will have been a part of shaping these proposals. Everybody may not get exactly what they wanted to see happen, but they know that they would have been a part of a process where they had a voice at that table. And then they had a vote from the age of 14 up on what we're going to do in our communities. So I think that with each of you, if you can engage with, with PB Clee, find your council person. If you don't want to make a phone call, do that email. Okay, all of their emails are listed on the website. Um, and I always go to find my ward Cleveland. And then you just type in an address and you get you get your ward and your council person. So if everybody here can make that commitment, if, if you're a Cleveland resident, that would be amazing. And we also ask that because um, the structure of city council, the council president is a leader of council. So we are including the council leadership in all of this. So in my case, I would send a, a, a letter or email or a phone call to my councilwoman, uh, Deborah Gray, and then I would also drop a dime on Blaine Griffin, the council president. So that's what we would ask each of you to make a commitment to do at very minimum. Sign up with us on our endorsement form, drop a dime on your council person or an email. Thank you. Um, before we go on to the next panelist, I do have a brief commercial. In a few minutes, we'll turn to your questions. If you are here with us in person, you, be, you can begin lining up to my immediate left uh, next to the microphone. If you are joining us virtually, please text your questions to 330-541-5794. Again, that's 330-541-5794. And you can also tweet your questions at the City Club. Um, so we'll have if, uh, Kenny and Councilwoman Housewoman to respond to that question, and then we'll open up for uh, audience conversation. I can repeat the question, y'all looking at me like, okay, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so we have heard um, that you know there's some folks in the community at large uh, that are maybe skeptical that this process is not going to allow equitable representation as it relates to who can actually be a part of this conversation, who can be a part of the PD process. How can uh, or how do you imagine? Uh, maybe in Kenny's case, you have some concrete examples, but. How can you imagine that this this actually will create more equity in how we're we're elevating equitable democracy in our community? So I will say again, seeing is believing. So for people that are skeptical that there's only a certain group that will participate in this, if you are going through a process to show that young people want this, show them. If there are a process of of people who are less likely to be engaged in the voting process show that they support. I mean, again, many times we don't listen to what people say. We, we, we actually see what they do. And I think the more everyday Clevelands, Clevelanders who are not typically involved in the process are talking and engaging and, and, and communicating with those of us who are elected, I think the better chances that PB will uh, have to actually get passed in the city of Cleveland. So that's my suggestion. So, uh, you know, doing this, 
this PB work recently in, in Grand Rapids, like I saw it in real time, right? Like there was already a lot of distrust, a lot that was happening in um, in Grand Rapids. There was a man that was killed by a police officer. Um, you know, there was a lot going on with Buffalo and people, you know, killed there and, and the kids and Texas. Like there was a lot when I joined and it was important to, to hear the people out in an authentic way, right? That's not just like just saying that, that's being with the people and saying, all right, we're, we're in this process. Where, where do you see us going from here, right? Because I think it's, you know, if you center things based on equity, the way that PV process was, then, and you're deliberate about it, then you're able to connect with people in a real way, right? I, I sincerely believe that because I saw that. And I think it's also about going to places that, that, um, that others may be afraid of, like go to the hood. You know, I, I had I had a um, in the neighborhood assembly in the hood. There was five people there, but you know what? I wasn't scared to be there because I come authentically, and this isn't just about a PD process. It's about what do you care about? You know, what what are you interested in? You know, and not over promising and under delivering. Like that's consistently a thing with electoral politics. And one thing that should be clear is that PD is not going to solve all the inequities in community. But this is just a step. And I think, again, just going back to what I said earlier, like the joy in me is being part of the budget delegate process when you find those people to refine ideas. And that's where you find the gems, right? You find the people that haven't been associated in, in civic engagement or, or have this interest or, you know, just being super intentional about that. So I, I just want to say that. But once you, if, you know, steering committee, you know, uh, um, focusing on the equity aspect of it leads and having a person that's real about that and it's just not words like transparency or equity or accountability like it's really it's really a, a, a mindset then you're able to get the results and get the people that have not been involved thank you can Kimmy. i say one more thing please because kimmy reminded me that this is with our current coalition that we have we have new era cleveland Fahim Shabazz goes out into the housing estates. He has built up over the years from being consistent about being present, has built up when he comes, people are ready to party. He's helping us to spread the word. Ms. Gwen in Central had a parking lot party at the Goodwill building. We get people in their own community. We're not coming in there saying, this is what's good for you. We are looking for those people in their communities who are willing to talk to a few people and bring them out. And that has been a successful strategy. It doesn't happen overnight. And it has to be consistent. What we always do is we try something and we let it go because it doesn't immediately sparkle. You have got to stick with something for a minute. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you so much. All right. We have moved to that question of the evening where we're going to receive audience Q&A. I'm going to kick it off here with a text question from our listening audience uh, while everyone uh, comes on up and, and lines up for the cues. Uh, this question says, has PD Clee reached out to the two county executive candidates to find out if they would be open to a participatory budget uh, carve-out conversation during the biannual county budget in fall of next year? Well, I'll answer that and say, no, we haven't. We've been focused on the city of Cleveland, and that's quite a, a handful right there. Um, I'm not saying that that would not happen in the future, but PD Clee is as it is titled. We're about just a great budgeting conclusion. Thanks, Michelle, for that answer. Um, my name is Alina Starks. I'm the Ohio Political Director for the Working Families Party. 
And I personally um, am, you know, in support of participatory budgeting coming to Cleveland. Um, however, when I talk about it, I want to be able to be equipped to um, share a clear vision with community members who are not often in these rooms. So, Kenny, I'd like you to speak to how you see that happening, what have been the highlights, and what have been the challenges after it's actually passed? Uh, you know, I, I think it's, again, just being clear, like, this isn't... Um, it's gonna solve everything. Like I think that's that's very important. And you know, to be honest, like I, you know, I, I love public housing communities. You have you find the realest people in there, brilliant people that just get overlooked. And I think you know the real the reality of it is this isn't just like a one year of PV thing. You have to be intentional and say, all right, I, even beyond PV, what does that connection look like, right? Like I finished that project in Grand Rapids, but I'm still connected with the people. Like after that, that's that's to be really honest because I found brilliant people and and they see the vision that this is this isn't just a one thing. It's it's about a, a longer process. And of course, there's going to be people that are just not going to be interested, and that's fine. And I think overall, it's about expectations, right? Some people get it in two months, two years, twenty years. It's being real about that with expectations with people. So I think that's one of the biggest things, like expectation. And um, yeah, and just being intentional about developing a relationship with people that have not been part of the process. Because I'll tell you what, like it, I, you know, I, I didn't have anyone to come to me and say, "Hey, this is interesting." I thought this was corny, right? And it just, it just so happened I got involved. I'm like, okay, this is a real thing. And then more and more, I'm seeing this throughout the country, right? This started as me being a volunteer in my city council district, now I'm in Cleveland. You know, like, shout out to Cleveland. Right? Yeah. I hope that was some of the. Hi, my name is Bryn. Um, I'm a resident of Ward 15, and I'm in favor of PV Clay. Um, and I think this has been sort of touched on, but I, I wanted to come back to it. Um, this issue of um, I think in some of the spaces I've been in and the communications I've had, I have really gotten the sense that some Cleveland City Council members in particular um, are resistant to the idea of participatory budgeting because they feel like, well, I was elected to represent my residents and it's my job to make funding decisions. Um, and, you know, there's this sort of like slippery slope fear of like, if we start involving people, where will it end? <laughs> and so I, I guess I, I would be interested to hear from all three of you, but Penny, you in particular, um, if you could give an example of, um, in your experience, lifting a resistant official, any messaging or strategies that have worked to bring someone from the, uh, not so sure about it, to the, yes, absolutely, side of things. I think it comes with, with the will of the people. And I think what was mentioned here is like contacting your, your, your council member, right? I think that, and again, like I don't want to just put it all on the people, whoever doesn't know about their council member, because I think it's a process, right? Again, I'm just using my own example of like, I, if you would have told me, hey, contact your council member, and all, I would have been like, no, like I'm not doing that. So it's like, seeing people where they're at and like i think this initially like for anyone that's interested in the room that hasn't participated like basically just reach out to to uh, pv clean like that's step one do that right and to answer your question i think it's it's the will of the people right you have a bunch of people in this room and now it's using that energy to like okay what is the next step right 
and uh, you know, and having contact with the council members. And of course, like I'm not here to paint this beautiful picture that all of them will will say yes. But it's like once they hear the people, hear the people consistently. Now, it's it's unavoidable. You have to take the meat, right? You know how that goes. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. See, the, one of the things that people don't understand, you know. Our system is set up to be reactionary, right? If you don't ask for anything, you won't get anything. And I, you, I'll be so, I, I, I just, all I can tell people is most people ask for nothing. And we wonder why we get nothing. Because you ain't asked for nothing. You ain't put a plan together. And so most people, they're not going to do nothing, right? And so I, I really want to say, like, this is it's literally... Our democracy is to be participant. You have to participate. <laughs> you know, you really have to participate in this process. And I wouldn't say that Cleveland City Council members are against it. It's just like anything else. Many people, you only do what you know, right? Help educate us. Educate us, right? Let us know this is what you truly want. And again, because the way our city council is set up, we are responsive to our constituents. So if it ain't Ward 7 people talking to me, Ward 7 people to me, that's my priority. What they ask me for, that's what I'm going to work for. I mean, it's cool. I, you know, I can talk to somebody in Ward 15, but they can't help me nor hurt me. You see what I'm saying? I, I'm just putting you on to the reality of this is politics. Y'all got to understand the body of government you're in and how people got to where they are. So if people say, you know, understanding you have to get the people that are representing the actual council person to talk to them, to share why they think this is important. And when you get a mass of people, trust me, you get a good 50 of your constituents talking to you, you listen, right? You listen. So that's the one of the things for PP Clee or whoever else thinks that this is important. Well, show it to me. Give me give me 50 more seven people that tell me they really want this. Then I, I might listen to you. But if you don't, and you just talking to me in a group, I probably not. I'm like, yeah, okay, because it, it, it's no real connection. So I hope people can understand what I'm saying. Um, this is a system you got to make people treat you right. You got to make people work for you. And a lot of times, many of us have not been in positions to make elected officials work for us, and that's why a lot of times we feel disappointed. So that's my two cents. <laughs> I'm Ross, um, Ward 17, Council Person House thing. I think that was very well said. I this effort, I think it, the most important thing about it is it's educational for for all of us. And I in Cleveland, one of the things is is we have opportunity cost. When you put two cents here, you can't go there. So uh, Kenny, yeah. what's your thoughts about you know, should the ideas, I mean, the ideas are the ideas, but should you go put this five million towards things that already should have been devoted to in the public good and taxes? Should they be more kind of uniquer ideas than that? And if you get 150 submissions for ideas, should you put the five million all toward one idea? Or how would you divvy up the pizza pie? And how's the process gone for you? So... That's my question. Got you. I think, you know, that's that's the steps of PB, right? Again, the three steps are one, people come with ideas. Two, you have people refine ideas. City agencies provide cost estimates. The top refined ideas go on the ballot, right? So I think to that point, like, I, I can't speak to, like, what the ideas should be because um, 
I, I'm not here from Cleveland, right? The people of Cleveland should decide what that looks like. And then you go through the second phase where you start evaluating, all right, what, what makes the cut, what doesn't. And above all, that it becomes a learning experience for people that haven't been involved in that. Of, you know, some city agencies are helpful, some some city agencies are not, you know? And just being able to see, okay, how does that work? But for me, it's, yeah, it's like you, you give it to the people and, you know, I'm a big, I'm big on creativity. I identify as a creative, I was like, push the boundaries, you know? If it doesn't get chosen as an type idea, so what? Push, I think that's the point. We're, we're in this, yeah, we're in this point of pushing the boundaries, so. Hi, Miss Nikki Smith. I am in um, Precinct 14B. I'm a committee person, and I am also a director for the Environmental Justice for the Democrats. My question today is, do you think environmental justice and the opportunity to capitalize on state revolving funds should inform policy and guide spending priorities? And it's a two-part. And how do you envision prioritizing environmental and climate justice metrics? when considering the management of the oversight PD decisions. That was a lot. So I'm going to just say, I, 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 if you're going to have to, if you repeat it. Yes, I, I can. Councilwoman, okay. do you think environmental justice and the opportunity to capitalize on state revolving funds should inform policy and guide spending priorities? For that one, I mean, again, it's, it's one of the things is, is this what people believe that they want? You know what I'm saying? Is this what, is this what people are saying, right? You got to understand uh, the way that participatory budgeting is set up, it is designed to do what people say they want to do. So I don't know. I guess going through that process, we will see, right? And then when you talk about state revolving funds, that's a whole other level. And if you if we can get our state to do stuff that the people want, especially here in Cleveland, then we will be making miracles come true. So uh, uh -huh. we'll see. Thank you. You're welcome. If I can, I do want to invite Michelle maybe to respond just to what are the type of projects that are eligible? Um, because I, I heard you know the, the, the policy part of your question, and I just want to make sure that it's fair for you and, and for our audience, like how the funds can be used. Yeah, Mickey, thank you. Um, yeah, so environmental issues of, of environmental equity and justice are definitely part of the envision the vision of ARPA spending. Okay, so um, most definitely there's a category for dealing with lead. There's a category for feeding people, which to me is environmental equity as well. Okay, so um, I think that we are collaborating. In fact, Miss Jennifer here. Um, we will be getting together, and she's with the Great Lakes. What's it called? Alliance, Alliance for the Great Lakes. Alliance for the Great Lakes. We're we're with Kim. Um, I haven't met with Kim Foreman yet, but she's one of our endorsers for Environmental Health Watch. Um, again, health issues in general. We're we're Ivanka Hall and Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition. Um, so to that for for this round of piloting PV, that's very much a piece of what is permissible with ARPA funds, and what is what people are also talking about when we're talking out in the community. So thank you. Awesome. My name is Jennifer Lumpkin. I represent the Alliance for the Great Lakes, as well as my growth connection, and I am a pre-securing person for Ward 9, where I also reside. Um, so as we know, uh, many of the health disparities in our communities are direct impacts of racist and unjust policies that disproportionately affect Black and women. 
How do you think a process like PD can inform how we center equity while democratizing our city's approach to environmental racism, policies, and injustices? And I think, Michelle, some of the work that we will be doing is sort of tangential to that, but like more elaborately, how can we really center um, the approach to equity and really democratizing how we do um, intersect environmental racism and injustices into how we make decisions? Um, for spending. Yeah. yeah. I need for you to tell us how to do it. You dig? Okay. I can do that. Um, and, and that's that's the thing. This is what a coalition is. It's all of this expertise in this room right here. It's not for three or four, five, or even ten people to decide. So we go to the experts. You know your constituents. You connect us. You tell us what we need to do for you in terms of getting this process, getting this the education piece. Um, and that's just what it is. I look to individuals. And Michelle, maybe just to build on that, um, can you talk a little bit maybe about how and in Penny to the, the steering committee and how is that um, composed or how is that made? I'm going to defer to Kenny. I think he has a better handle on it. Yeah, and, and I'll say this like very simply, like you have a case study with Grand Rapids because they just finished PV, and you also have other cities, right, that might be the same size of Cleveland, and at the very least, you got a New York connection now, right? So, um, but all that, you know, the steering committees, in theory, they have that centered, especially the one in, in Grand Rapids. Like, that was very intentional. So it's like looking at that and seeing what you could build upon that and, and what needs to change and whatnot. So I think, you know, you have these other cities that have done this. So now you, you can have that Well, PD Cleveland. You know, if everyone here decides to be part of uniquely, now you have that. You, you can look at these case studies and see, okay, how do we do that? Um, how did they do it? Where did they fail? You know, so. Yeah, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just going to put that Cleveland spin on it. You know, we have our own ways, and we want it to be Cleveland magic. <laughs> hey, everybody. Can y'all hear me? Yes, okay, cool. Uh, I'm Gloria. I am repping myself and LMM, Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry, of Community Engagement Coordinator. My question is about our young people. So something really dope about PB is that y'all uh, incorporate, or we incorporate, youth, uh, 14 and up can participate in the process. And so I just wanted y'all to talk a little bit about how getting youth involved in that process as early as 14 can help them learn about democracy and, and participate in it and how that can really like help us when they get older. Yeah. Thank you for that question. I have to answer this. I love that question so much. We are meeting with Cleveland Metropolitan School District. They have a program, an after-school program called Civics 2.0. I'm going to want to talk with you at some point. Um, and we're, hope, we're, we're really looking to set up a real formal kind of PB experience within Civics 2.0. That's one aspect. As I mentioned before, we had Ashley B who has her own constituency, she's, she's a youth advocate, and she's out there daily talking and working with folks. So we're, again, we're using individuals to help us to make sure we're reaching out. Um, and the thing, soapbox time, <laughs> democracy is under attack. And that people, I don't make judgment as to why people don't vote or get civically engaged, because I know where I live, I'm in Buckeye Shaker, that some people have to manage an hour at a time, let alone thinking about something that may or may not happen two years from now. So I totally respect that and I get it. But with our next generation, when I see the, the, some of the ideas that came from Ashton B's rec party, kids are thinking about this stuff that they shouldn't even have to be thinking about. 
And so we have to be able to, to divert ourselves to think about more than one thing at a time. We as a society, as a government, as people, as neighbors, we've got to be able to think about something more at a time. And we've got to get our next generation to know that they do have a voice, that they can do this, and this is a way to introduce them to it, which is what I love as well. So thank you. And I moved to the administration. I got you, Gloria. <laughs> now I just wanted to add this. I think that's what makes PB um, worthwhile, right? Because I've seen it not work, and I've seen it work. I've seen a school district not be part of PB, right? And that was very disappointing. And I've seen um, you know, the district I was a part of be super involved. So that that in itself is like, I think the main point is like having kids as early as 13, right? Why, why not then, you know? Why not 12? I don't know. Like this is steering committee decisions, but it's saying the earlier the better. And, and I'm in between two two women that have stated that they, they started early, you know, and they're here, right? And I think that, that speaks volumes of what these kids can be eventually, you know, similar to these two people sitting next to me. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm big on youth development. I used to run a Boys and Girls Club in the neighborhood uh, I grew up in, and so I'm, I'm very much a big believer in that. And it's not just them participating, right? It's it's how can they be involved even in the creative aspect, right? Like how do, can kids, you know, help design stickers and just be involved and in letting their creativity show, and I think, Again, like Cleveland is in a great position where there's these other cities that try things, right? And seeing what works, what doesn't. So, um, yeah, I just felt the need to talk about, about <laughs> power to the youth. And I, sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I say, I, I'm, you know, I'm very confident with the youth now. I think they got it, right? Now I just like, all right, let's elevate, let's, let's, let's support, because they got it. Yeah, this is a real platform, and that's what's exciting to me. We're, we're looking at 14 and up at this point, um, but it's it's really exciting to me to think about these young people shaping this and participating, and there's just no telling. You know, that's where, the, I think Stephanie mentioned somebody earlier, that that's where the creativity comes from. Um, so, yeah. I'm Lizzie, I live in Ward 6. Um, something that I see a lot is neighborhood initiatives with council support, where when they make it, through council, there's no appetite, no resources, or a combination of both in higher levels of city administration for actual follow through. So, what are ways for the steering committee to counteract that so that initiatives being put forward to council, like participatory budgeting or projects that come through that, actually make it through to the administration and are implemented? I am happy to take that question. <laughs> I'm looking at the panelists. Um, so, you know, we're very much still, um, Lizzie, you know, we have a proposal, so obviously it has to get through uh, city council. But if, if it is affirmative based upon how we have it laid out right now, um, we have allocated about half a million dollars that would go to the implementation cost. That implementation cost includes a full-time staff person at the city of Cleveland that would manage the CV process. Um, it also includes resources for a third-party nonprofit provider um, that would help essentially to be the, the lead organization that would manage the steering committee and the budget delegates and things of that nature. Um, this was introduced by our mayor, Mayor Justin Bibb, um, and, and has been championed by him and, and members of his cabinet. Um, so again, you know, we, we can't predict the future, but we are trying to, to lay out a framework um, that is setting this process up for success. Um, but again, 
while we're still in the in sort of draft phase um, that might modify over time, um, but that is our proposed vision. I just wanted to add something real quick is like there's also this element when let's say you go through the peak process, projects are voted on, it's what happens after that. Because I've seen it where once people vote, then that's it, right? But but there can also be room for that to making sure even the RFPs, the request for proposals that nonprofits have to apply for to get this funding, like that is done with an equity lens, right? And what does that look like? And that's ahead of the game, but it's also, I just wanted to mention that because you said, all right, once you implement it, then what? And so yeah, I just wanted to mention that's that's also what could be. And do I have time to say one thing to you, Lizzie, that um, intended to be a tool in every budgeting set session. So it's a process that should be included annually whenever the city municipal budgets are done. So each, each what comes out of it, each ballot will be different each time, but the process is intended to be on into perpetuity. Okay, so that's really what it's intended for. It's a tool, it's not a nonprofit. And the nonprofit that, we would, that we're proposing to partner with would have to be one that has a citywide imprint. A lot of people talk about CCs. Well, those are specific to their communities. So we need a, a nonprofit that has a citywide input. Okay, does that help? Yes. Awesome. Um, I had a quick question. It kind of scared me. Um, come up here on the left. Um, so the timeline, uh, which is really important because time is of the essence. So uh, we don't know the exact date, but we believe that this will be introduced uh, before city council in January of 2023. Um, so we have obviously a couple months ahead of that, um, but we have holidays in between that. So, you know, we have a lot of work to do, understanding that folks might be going off grid for holidays. Um, but that's something that once you sign up to receive communication from the PD coalition, you would be kept abreast about as far as what the exact date is that we we're working toward. So with that, thank you all for joining us for today's forum. Happy Dog takes on Contestory Budgeting Cleveland. Thank you once again to our panelists. Councilwoman House, Michelle Jackson, and Kenny Medrano. Today's forum is part of City Club, me, is part of the City Club in Community series sponsored by the Bank of America. We are grateful for their support. Be sure to join the City Club next week. On Thursday, November 10th, they will have their annual conversation about the state of downtown with Downtown Cleveland Alliance's president and CEO, Michael Beamer. Then on Friday, November 11th, we will learn about our state constitution voters' power to alter it at the ballot box, and why that matters much more than you may think. Tickets are available at the, for these forums, and to purchase tickets, you can learn more at cityclub.org. Thank you all again for joining us and streaming live uh, virtually. Our forum is now adjourned.